0: Hi everyone, I'm Kim Winter, Global CEO of Logistics Executive Group. Thanks for joining me today. And welcome to our post-COVID series, The New Norm. Today I'm joined by Mark Lutton. Mark has been with uh, a number of tier one organizations globally over the last 25 years. He's a supply chain expert. He's been in the Middle East for the last five years and specializes, amongst other things, in lean and is one of the region's leading specialists and subject matter experts in operational excellence. So today, I want to really look to cover off on three points. One, what are the elements of operational excellence? Lean principles, Kaizen, and voice of customers, and what leaders in business should be thinking about when implementing operational excellence. So with that lead-in, Mark,
1: welcome. Thanks for joining us. Kim, thank you for that nice introduction. Um, It's a pleasure to be here today and talk with you and um, share, give me the opportunity to share my knowledge around business improvement, uh, how we can support everyone out there who's looking for answers, especially concerning their business during these, what we say, really tough times. Um, Hopefully I can share with you some views that give some comfort, maybe some inspiration and put some ideas out there that will help the leaders or business uh, owners refocus and make some changes moving forward.
0: Well, thanks, Mark. I mean, there's a lot of noise out there and I know there's a lot of vodcasts and webinars going on and people's time is valuable. So So let's jump right into it. Um, Why don't you tell us about some of the things that you think business leaders really need to be thinking about? in the context of operational excellence?
1: Um, well, first, I think we have to think about where we are today in terms of the world. Uh, almost overnight, I think the game has changed for leaders, business. Pre-pandemic, we seemed to be a relatively stable world. Many factors were known. Growth was fairly predictable. We were looking to achieve success. Then I think it turned upside down in quarter one. Um suddenly that pursuit of perfection is what I say is one of the goals of Lean. Um it gets thrown out the window uh with the bath on the baby water, so to speak. Um suddenly perfectionism is a bit of a liability. Uh our people are actually scared. We don't know, it's a bit unknown what's happening at the moment. Uh, I was listening to that Dr Michael Ryan, the person you've seen in all your news channels, he's that representative of the World Health Organization. Um, And what he says about managing a crisis, he says, if you need to be right before you move, you're going to lose. Speed trumps perfection. Perfection is the enemy of good when it comes to emergency management. So he's saying speed is relative at the moment. And I think in the middle of this crisis, where many leaders don't know what the situation is for their countries, businesses. There's uncertainty. I think people are having to adjust their strategies, supply chains. They're ripping up the rule book and they're making, having to make things up as they go. Unfortunately, that leadership takes mental agility and not everybody has it. It's a challenge. Our minds are not always built for that agility. So, it's really important to have a framework that allows your, you and your organisation still to operate. And that's where operational excellence can come in and give that support for your business and to your employees.
0: Okay, well, thanks for setting the scene, Mark. Um, I mean, it's really good. But let's let's have, a, have a look at just exactly what operational excellence is. It's terminology that's often thrown around, a bit of a definition from you, and, and how is it applied to
1: business? Well, what I, I will give a quick introduction now, um, but I hope to, over the next uh, few minutes or with my time with you, be able to give our uh, audience a bit more in-depth uh, knowledge about what operational excellence is, but okay. simply put, it is doing it better, doing it faster and doing it cheaper. This is a mantra that I've operated with for a long time uh, myself and within the industries that I work. The better part means better quality of products, services, processes, given a better user experience and better value for your customer. The faster part means faster service, faster responses, faster processing, making it on time uh, and giving a faster delivery, obviously, if the customer prefers. And then we have cheaper, cheaper to operate, cheaper to process, cheaper for customers to purchase. And What we need to do to achieve these three things, we can use operational excellence and the businesses that have the processes that are effective and efficient, delivering the value, they're the ones that are still going to be around in a few years' time, because they're the ones that are making the incremental improvements uh, and still able to operate it in these uh, difficult times. Now, those processes that I talk about, they need to be well designed, they need to be consistent. You need to have the right people who are capable. So again, that all involves training the people, having the processes mapped. And again, I'm going to give a little flavour of that uh, as we go through our conversation today.
0: Okay, thanks, Mark. Well, so you've, you've talked about concepts that you know we're all familiar with, You know, faster, delivering faster, delivering better, cheaper. Um, especially when people are getting a lot of, of things delivered to their homes currently, not able to, to go out without good reason. Um, but you know, if we talk about business operators out there and, and who may not be familiar with uh, the, these, these concepts and, and their applications to business, drill down a little bit that for, on that for us and let us know a little bit more about how these issues are applied to business.
1: Well, it's funny, you just sprung to my mind there when you said about getting deliveries. Um, I was wanted to explain to you about what is the, the voice of the customer because it's one of the most important things. You need to understand what your customer wants. It's really the very beginning of your, your journey in operational excellence. And then you have to translate that into something called CTQ or critical to quality. Now, the example that springs to mind, as I say, um, and maybe it's on your stomach at the moment is previously when you were ordering online for a takeout for delivery to your house your choice of restaurant was dictated if you want indian chinese italian pizza but you also wanted to know was it going to be hot and was it going to be delivered on time when you or at the time you requested so you wanted quality delivery performance and most likely you still do however that was yesterday Today, people's requirements have suddenly changed. Now, people are telling me it's not to catch COVID-19 from their food. The term wasn't even known three, four months ago, and now people are worried about catching it in their takeaways delivered to their door, possibly from the delivery driver, from the packaging. So no contamination has now gone up to the very, very top, uh, and it's probably the most important to you as a customer.
0: Okay, so what you're saying here is part of this whole process is looking at things very much from a customer's perspective, yeah?
1: Yeah, you you need to understand your customer viewpoint to be able to translate that into the product or service that you're delivering. Uh, And that's what we call the voice or the customer or VOC for short. So VOC needs and expectations. They, that's, that was then expressed in the customer's language. However, you as an owner or a restaurant operator, you then have to translate that into the processes and the critical to quality requirements for your employees to be able to deliver that service or product. So those CTQs dictate the performance level. They need to be measurable. And they need to satisfy the needs and expectations of your customer. And it's applicable for all products. So I think it's something that restaurants have very quickly learned in the past few weeks. They've had to suddenly deal with having zero amount or zero contamination of COVID-19, not only in their ingredients, but cross-contamination from suppliers during preparation, utensils, employees. So staff had to be retrained. They had to know what processes were critical to the customers it has suddenly changed from delivering a hot meal on time to one that is uh, free of COVID-19. So you can see how hopefully this uh, relates to the voice of the customer and how by having good processes that are mapped and translated into CTQs, as I have done for several clients over the years, I have seen a reported double figure increase in customer satisfaction in a very short period of time, so I think it's an important point that an element um, that our audience should be considering in their journey on operational excellence.
0: Well, thanks, Mark. I guess you know you've given us a pretty good entree there about listening to the customer. Um, I think most people could relate to that. Um, currently, competition is going to be as great, if not greater, than ever before for uh, for getting business no matter what sort of industry or what sort of sector um, people are in that are on the audience today. Um, and knowing that this has to be a top priority to business um, and talking about service with quality uh, throughout market and the amount of choice that customers have got, um, I guess continuous improvement is is gonna be a big factor as well. So we're talking about continuous improvement. We're talking about business optimization and excellence. Where does lean? I want you to talk to us a little bit about lean. I know you're a bit of a lean exponent. Um, I'm not from a manufacturing or production background where where lean has been a very dominant uh, philosophy and strategy over the years. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about um, where lean has come from and some insights uh, about how lean can be applied to help businesses through this tough time that we're in.
1: Well yeah certainly yeah we are in tough times I don't want to emphasize it too much Um, and I think what is happening is that we're actually it's changing us all how we live we're locked down it's changing us how we do business we're doing it remotely Um, we're not in the same locations or offices or factories that we were in previously Um, But I think it's helping to stretch us as well. Um, But my belief is that when times are tough, it's well-run lean organizations that are going to successfully weather this pandemic um, because they're the ones that are the superb problem solvers. They're able to manage in a crisis. And it's no doubt to me that these lean organizations will not only conceive the means to manage through the crisis, but will emerge even stronger uh, when the world comes out of it?
0: Yeah, interesting. I, uh, if you think about um, business, um, and what you, I think what you're saying is that businesses that apply lean principles will be a lot stronger, um, then perhaps it's worth drilling down on that a little bit further. Um, just really where can the application of lean principles be applied and how can people get there? And, head around it and their hands around it i mean we we've uh, many of us from the supply chain logistics world um, have uh, no or over experienced not me personally but many people have been qualified in, in lean uh, courses and uh, as a global headhunter i see on cbs a lot where people have specified and highlighted the fact that they are lean qualified where exactly can people in the audience really think about applying LEAN without going to do all the courses because nobody necessarily has got time to do that right now?
1: Um, Well, I I can give you some of the basics. And I always want to share it because LEAN, for me, is my passion. And I think everybody should share the benefits of it. Um, You you can do some online courses. um, But you can read some very basic uh, information on it. And you can still start to implement it uh, now without having a lot of knowledge around it. Um, but what you need to do, you need to understand the or be familiar with the principles. Um, you need to understand the background of it because it's actually to, uh, a culture changing tool when it's done properly. It's not just about removing waste. Um, so what I'd like to say is that lean is, it's a management philosophy. Um, can be called a methodology, but it's applicable to all your daily work. Um, And as I said, it's about eliminating wastes. And I talk about within Lean, there's eight wastes. We use the acronym uh, downtime, but it's also about maximizing value to the customers. Um, Value is what customers need, but their expectation is, they're not wanting to pay anything today for any extras. People today only want to pay for what they get. There's an example that I like to use. Is imagine that you place an order on Amazon or noon.com and you see an extra line on your receipt or that says uh, warehouse personnel, time spent looking for your item, five hours. Is that something that you would want to pay for?
0: Yeah, interesting. I don't think so. I think the expectation of uh, of customers these days is that um, they have one price and everything's included in it. So, that, no, I wouldn't be paying for that.
1: Of course, Kim, it's of no value to you, and it's uh, definitely something you wouldn't want to pay for. So, why? Because it doesn't add value for you as a customer. And that's what Lean is all about. It's about adding the maximum or gaining the maximum value from the service and the product. And to do that, you want to remove the waste out of your processes, out of your systems, out of the products. So when we talk about waste, I'm not talking about the rubbish that you throw into the trash bin. What I'm talking about is things like defects, where the component is made wrong and has to be reworked, or you receive it wrongly and you have to return it to the warehouse or to your supplier because it doesn't work. That all costs money, all those repairs. And then you have M for motion which is motion of people which is basically the movement of people or machines because this doesn't add any value or product to your service you as a business owner you're paying for it, and you don't want to have to pass that on to the customer because it raises your cost it raises your selling price therefore if you can uh, remove it from your processes you can reduce your cost you can either make more profit or you can sell it cheaper therefore gaining more market share. So as I said, that's the, the basics of lean. Um, there are other concepts around it, which is you need to understand where your value stream lies, what's the processes and activities and resources in that value stream. Um, and the, the value stream is basically the process that you use to transform your inputs, your raw materials into your outputs, which is your finished goods or your components that you then sell to your customers. So within your value stream, you want to be looking across the process and looking at removing bottlenecks, because the theory of constraints will allow you to study the rate of output or throughput and look at the slowest processing step, and if you can raise the speed of that, you can raise your output, therefore you're taking away a limiting factor in your process flow. and then. At the end of the process, we want to be pulling products or pulling the service out. The common, most common way that I see when I go into factories or offices is that people push. They say, let's make 200 items and put it in stock in the warehouse. And they probably only have an order for 100 items. So they've got 100 items that are left sitting in the warehouse. Rather that they should receive an order co- coming into the sales, for 100 items and they make 100 items and they deliver it just in time on the day that it's required to leave the warehouse and go to the customer so that's a quick level high level overview of lean principles it's obviously much more involved than that and Mm. i look forward to possibly sharing that with your audience and they can contact me personally or Maybe we will have an opportunity to uh, discuss it in future episodes.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, we'll make sure that we, uh, we ensure that uh, the audience can make contact if they want to know more. It's, uh, it's a big area and a, a big application to, to operational excellence, obviously. So talking about Ops Excellence, again, in, uh, in the broader context, you know over the years um, many of us have been exposed to or many others maybe not exposed to but have heard about Kaizen as a as a major strategy for uh, business improvement. maybe you can just give us a bit of a snapshot on Kaizen and how that applies to how people can uh, can improve what they're doing currently and uh, make sure that they make the best of their business
1: well. Kaizen, obviously, it's not a word that many people may be familiar with. It's a Japanese term. Uh, The reason for that is because the lean got developed by Toyota uh, in Japan. Of course, after they went to America and observed the American automotive production lines, uh, they went back to Japan and they developed the concept themselves. But loosely translated, it means change for the better, or simply put improvement and it, and it also links through to continuously, so we want to be continuously looking for improvement and w- what you sometimes hear about is a Kaizen event, which is a, a lean event or a rapid improvement event, or it can be known as a workout now workout isn 't something that uh, i 'm going to go down to the gym to do it 's something that 's going to exercise the brains and flex the muscles of your uh, processes and your operating procedures. So basically, a, a few different names uh, are around what Kaizen is actually called. But a Kaizen event, what I'd like to talk about, is something that's well-organized, it's a structured event, it's facilitated by a lean expert or a leader. And the idea of it is that you improve your work area or your process or the entire value stream. It depends how much time you have because it can be a one-day event or it can be a five-day event. But what it's designed to do, it's designed to bring about rapid improvement or change to your work area or your process. Now, what I wouldn't say is don't start performing Kaizen events. Don't start running off now and saying, right, we're going to run Kaizen events because, first of all, you need to get your priorities right. You need to do some education on what is lean. You need to be ready in order to have a organizational wide approach where everybody's involved from the CEO down to the security guard on the gate. Uh, But we also need to think about our priorities at this time. So we also need to be thinking about the care of our workers. We also need to be keeping our businesses running. So, however, very soon, I think the dust is going to settle uh, on where we are in this crisis. We may be working in a new norm. And that's where I think Kaizen and Kaizen events should be on a list of tools that you should be considering. So, Jane, up on it now, learn about it and be ready to hit the button to go uh, when that dust settles.
0: Well, thanks for that. There's some good advice there, Mark. I, you know, just uh, applying some of these key principles to businesses now. And as you say, keeping businesses afloat is a key priority for, for many organisations. In fact, the majority of organisations, I would say, currently around the world, you no know, matter what environment you're in or what country you're in. So, but obviously we need to be looking at planning for the future. And I really want to tap you around planning and, and looking forward. Um, because I know you 've got a lot of experience in this, and uh, so and in future podcasts uh, I, I think we'll look to tap in to that knowledge uh, further in specific areas. speaking of the New norm, um, what do you see in the, is the changes taking place in the supply chain and in general occurring um, across the chain over the coming months ahead as we move through towards the end of this year?
1: Well Kim. Coming back to where we are today, I think there's a lot of impacted supply chains around the world that we're having to work within. Um, There's a great realization out there that there's been an out-of-balance dependence on China for components, raw and processed materials. I think nearly every manufacturing industry has been affected by production issues uh, since the earliest days of the pandemic. Um, And as well, China OEMs have faced challenges of resuming their production capacity. I think they're up to about 80, 90% now, but still not full 100%. And of course, they don't have the demand uh, on the other side that they require in order to uh, achieve uh, full output. So I think global manufacturers are gonna start feeling the impact. I think there's still material shortages in supply networks that are going to weave their way through. I spoke recently with a car parts supplier and he has been able to maintain supply to his customers although he's, his logistics has been impacted, his uh, air cargo rates go up and down daily. But his major worry is, he's afraid that in two, three months time he's going to have gaps in his supply chain. He's not going to get those car parts, spare parts coming through to his business. And again, it's an unknown for him. So. And then you 've got the Japanese government they 've got this two billion incentive fund that they 've floated uh, for Japanese companies to relocate uh, their suppliers and the manufacturing from Japan and they 've put a time limit on it two years um, so again, I think that 's where the ones the Japanese companies with the lean processes such as Toyota will be able to react fastest to this offer they 'll be the ones that will the new factories and production lines and suppliers set up first. Um, The reason for that, uh, because I think Lean helps these large companies, it helps them leverage their communication channels with their customers and suppliers, so they know where the demand signals are, they understand the key risks through all the tiers, one, two, three, Um, they run supply chain stress tests on a regular basis, they conduct scenario planning. So lean operations are much better positioned to evaluate these alternative sourcing options, address the logistical issues that I touched on there. And they're the ones that will rethink their supply chain options uh, relatively quickly. Also, I think there's an opportunity here in the Middle East. uh, We're well placed geographically uh, to develop the new supply networks for the rest of the world. And I think if this region starts to invest in the infrastructure um, we could start to see relocation from China for by some of the big major manufacturing companies. Good
0: on, Well, yeah, that's a, it's a fantastic insight, Mark. Thanks for your views on that. I mean, you've given us some good examples of where Lean and Kaizen and these uh, operational principles can add value to businesses. And I think everybody's really reaching out for where they can improve, where they can pivot what they can uh, enhance in their businesses just to get through right now and then plan forward. But if you would talk about operational excellence and um, application to business right now, what would you say is one of the the key takeaways? If you're looking at the way that all businesses operate, you can't generalize too much, I realize that, but I mean, if there's something in the operating world right now that people could put their hands on and take away that they could remember and apply business, what would it be in your view?
1: Well, if there's a single takeaway from this recent crisis, um, it's how it's impacted the world over. Um, And most important for me is those that have what I call a disaster recovery or business continuity plan in place are the ones that have been able to operate through this crisis um, with minimized impact, I'm not saying no impact, because I think everybody has been impacted, but that, what I call a DRBC, Disaster Recovery and Business Continuity Plan, is, is key. Um, I think the problem was that some people thought that DRBC was only when you had an earthquake or a flood, natural disaster, but the truth is, COVID-19, it's been found to be just as disruptive, if not more than a, a disruptive than any natural disaster. So a company that has got a good, sound DRBC plan, um, they'll always have the awareness in place. They'll have that dedicated team, which is supported by standard operating procedures, or what we know as SOPs. They'll have communication infrastructure, redundant, ready to take up uh, at a moment's notice that allows uh, the business information still to flow, provides access to your corporate or factory information, to employees anytime, anywhere. One of the biggest complaints I've heard about is employees trying to access ERP systems with no VPNs. So therefore, they're not able to process orders. Um, So the business has basically stopped um, because of IT issues. So the businesses who can and many do emerge out of crisis situations positively, are those that plan for the worst-case scenarios and have their DRBCs updated constantly. They simulate their response strategies. They ask the difficult questions when, before the crisis happens, not during and not after. Um, they've identified the key people that are going to lead their firefights. They've established those critical processes and they have the financial solutions ready to implement them in real time. And that's what's important when a crisis occurs. So I think the leaders, you need to go back. You need to look at evolving your organization. and need to be ready because we're going to have uncertain times uh, coming again and again. I don't think this is going to be the first time that we're going to have a, a virus or a pandemic that's going to impact us. Um, so it's important to have those simple processes. I go back to have them mapped, have the governance in place, and that will mean sure that you're light on your feet, means you're fast at making decisions. You can meet your customer's needs in the time of crisis and still get good value or get the value you need from your products and services. So again, this is a component of operational excellence, having the right documentation, doing your process analysis and you will therefore you'll minimize the damage and you'll be able to take the best possible precautions in the event of any future disruptions. So work in your business continuity. And if not done previously, at least start to do it now. Take some action, invest the energy in getting your processes under control.
0: So great, Mark, thanks for that. Uh, Really good points. So you're saying having a disaster recovery plan in place, make sure you deal with waste, If we're going to get better and faster and cheaper, then you've really got to have these principles applied to business to be on the safe side. But I guess the point there for me is, if you're making all these changes in a business, doesn't that create risk? Um, I would have thought making changes at any time creates risk. I mean, have you got any comments about risk in itself?
1: Well, one, if if we don't take risks, uh, we're not going to improve. And um, when you say we should always push ourselves, but then there is also the side of uh, what we call risk management. So that that's uh, where you have to manage the risk. Um, and that's a key component of, again, any operational excellence plan. Um, it should be an ongoing process in your organization because on any given day, what can possibly go wrong, as the saying goes, will go wrong. Yeah, I'm sure you've experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so it, it's how do you anticipate and how do you mitigate those risks? And there's tools out there that you can use. Um, I've commonly applied what I call FMEA, uh, Failure Mode and Effect Analysis. Again, comes from the automotive industry, but also used in the airline industry, where there's, you can't have risk of a component failing while you're up in the sky in the plane. And uh, I, I, what springs to mind is in the in the last few months, I think uh, everybody in the world has suddenly known or learnt about uh, the online communication platform called Zoom. And did you know that its share price increased to become more than the six largest airlines in the world combined by value? Uh,
0: Well, in answer to that question, no, I didn't realise. I didn't realise, I mean, I use Zoom all day, every day. But uh, as we are now, but I didn't realize it
1: got so big so quickly. Yes, Kim, I think it's fairly amazing what's happened with Zoom, how it's increased in value by so much. And I think everyone knows now uh, that there's problems with their software. They've had privacy and security issues. Um, And it's been highlighted even more because they've been thrust into that public limelight. Now, I think if Zoom had had more robust operating and software development processes that they'd done risk analysis on, uh, possibly used their FMEA, they would have been able to manage or possibly eliminate those risks uh, in their software development before it became public knowledge. Uh, And unfortunately, I think lots of schools, friends, they're no longer prepared to use Zoom uh, because of the security problems even though the companies fixed them because their name has been tarnished with that bad publicity. So it's really important that companies manage their risk. And again, I come back to this, work on it continuously. We say that you should develop a risk probability number for all your processes that you have within your business. And the leaders should take notes of how they can remove and eliminate and mitigate the risks within their business at all times
0: so yeah great mark so I guess zoom is a pretty good example of a company that's been thrust under the uh, the media spotlight
1: and hasn't
0: really managed its risk well uh, but I see uh, in media the other day that um, they're looking to uh, deal with a lot of the challenges and criticism they've received by um, by turning around that negativity I think they've been uh, looking to bring in new executives, new programming talent um, into the business. What, what do you think about that? Good good recovery or what?
1: Well, of course, their share sure price will tell the tale. Um, we'll see where uh, Zoom comes out the other side, how untarnished um, it actually is, whether their competitors come, come back up and gain more market share from them. Um, but I agree, the organisational leaders that they bring in Uh, are key for them to strengthen their management team and improve their reputation going forward. And that brings me on to, I think leaders are the most important element in the operational excellence because they're the ones that are going to encourage the employees. They're going to be the spark or the powers of creativity um, that are going to focus people's minds on improvements Um, on making changes. They're the ones who are going to drive their businesses and companies forward and they need to send out clear signals to employees. And I think operational excellence is a great framework to do that within because you can train your employees to follow set processes. And no matter what has happened, I know now many people are working remotely, longer in the office, Um, but that's not a, a time to stop being creative, uh, but you need to empower your teams, you need to be innovative, and you need to have frameworks in place that allow people to work anywhere at any time and uh, make your company successful. Okay, so to
0: wrap up on that piece then, what, are the, uh, what do you see as the key points that leaders should really think about delivering a successful operational excellence framework uh, for, for the business?
1: Well, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, it, it's key to the leader, um, the type of leader they are. But the most important thing is to surround yourself with smart people. <laughs> One of the most uh, famous people in the world today is Jack Ma, him of the person who started Alibaba. And I watched a speech for, or talk from him where he talked about he only hires people that are smarter than him because he doesn't need to be the smartest man in the room he just needs to coordinate all the smarter people around him and that will make him even more successful so that that's key to have the smart people around you and so don't go to what our natural tendencies are uh, in these sorts of times uh, where we tend to hunker down retreat possibly hide behind closed doors now is Not the time for to do that. Now is the time to get that laser-like focus. Um, The leaders they need to have the perspective and inspiration to go out and seek out and surround themselves with those smart people, um, ones who have the best interests of the company at heart, and the kind of experience that the leaders can expand on. And then after you find those right people, um, then you need to be clear on what recovery can mean for your business. So if your business has dived uh, in terms of sales, in terms of market share, which I know many have because they haven't been able to operate, um, you need to know or understand exactly what do you intend to recover? Is it back to normal? What you were doing in 2019, whatever that was. That may not be a realistic option today. But the answers to those questions can be found in your recovery vision. You as a leader, uh, you need to have clarity on this. Um, You need to be able to make rational decisions in this time of crisis uh, going forward. um, That will contribute confidence and show how you can lead your way and your organization through this.
0: Okay, we've surrounded ourselves with good people. We've got a good recovery plan in place. Um, What other things should, uh, should people be thinking about in business? What other things should leaders really be reflecting on?
1: Well, I come back to what we're talking about today. It's your operational excellence plan. You need to evaluate your current one if you have it. If you don't have one, start to think about putting it in place. Um... But what you need to be doing, you need to be willing to walk away or change uh, from what you currently have and possibly start again. It's ripping it up and have a blank page Um, because, as we say, the new norm, uh, we don't exactly know what it is or what it's going to be. So two of the most important questions you must ask is what must we stop doing so that we can focus uh, on the right things? And then what must we start doing? Uh, to be able to continue, um, to be able to uh, have a recovery, um, to be able to answer the questions easier and find out what's necessary uh, in the new norm.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, from what you're saying there, a lot of people get a bit uncomfortable about stopping when they're so used to doing what they do. Making that decision to stop what they're doing can be quite uncomfortable for them. But... From what you're saying, that's something we should all evaluate because there's maybe things that we're doing that just aren't suitable for right now, and we need to change. So, uh, what sort of if people are going to be stopping to do things and change things? What sort of time frames should they be looking at?
1: Well, as I say, the reason for stopping is to create that focus. Operational excellence gives us that framework and the tools to apply, um, because. What we don't want to be doing is doing a lot of things badly or much worse. We want to be doing two or three things really well. And we, we want to be thinking short-term at the minute. Now is not the time for long-term planning. Um, now is more a time for scenario-based planning, a triaged approach to strategic planning. You should be focusing on shorter planning bursts. Possibly contemplate three to six months versus three to five years because in six months time we could be looking at another crisis and you could be ripping your plan up again you should have a revolving three to six month plan going on and then finally what i think you need to look at you need to align your organization to the plan that you possibly have in your head and you need to put down on paper because once your recovery plan is developed um it's important to evaluate your organization through the lens of that plan um, have you got the right structure in place? Have you, do you need additional capabilities that you didn't have before? Have you got the appropriate processes going forward? So, one, I think it's important to create that momentum within your business uh, to drive improvement, be successful. So I think if you if you follow those sort of pointers that I've uh, hinted at today, I think you'll be well on your way to... Successfully managing your way through um, this crisis uh, mm-hmm. and the coming months. Good input. So, if I'm hearing you correctly,
0: what you're saying is organisations are going to struggle to achieve operational excellence um, without probably four things, uh, from what you've been discussing. So, enterprise-wide alignment of strategies, um, priorities, and policy policies, and decisions. Um, And that these have to be across different functions, up and down and at all levels of the organisation so they can drive consistent behaviours and results. Is that a reasonable summary?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a good summary, Kim. Those four elements are essential to operational excellence alongside the basics to be better, faster, cheaper, to outpace your competitors. Um, Because you want to get to the point where everyone in your organisation is willing Uh, and able to operationally excellent uh, operate every day. So everybody should be engaged, empowered to achieve operational excellence. Um, They know what the desired results are to have that competitive advantage. Of course, um, it all takes vision. It takes energy that some people may not feel they have, and that's possibly this is an inspiration. After listening to this today, people can go out there, they've take some notes, and they've got that inspiration to go out and start acting, take those first steps that we've discussed uh, today, and uh, possibly can see the the, uh, a better future out there. There is something that I'd just like to leave you with. Um, it's a quote that I read recently and it keeps going around in my head and I think it's quite relevant Uh, and it's from a famous Japanese author called Haruki Murakami He's written many famous novels Uh, known 50 million books published worldwide and what, what he said is and once the storm is over you won't remember how you made it through how you managed to survive you won't even be sure whether the storm is really over one thing is certain: when you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person or business who walked in. That's that's what this storm was all about. Very reflective words. Some some good things to think about there, I guess.
0: And you know, I suppose uh to really to to leave it on that mark. I mean, you know, you've given us some some great insights. I really do appreciate um, what you shared with us today. I mean, wrapping up really making yourself available and uh, giving us some some things to think about that may be useful to to throw around in our minds at this time. So I hope the storm does blow over real soon.
1: Yeah, I do too. I I hope uh, sooner rather than later. But yeah, thank you, Kim, for giving me the opportunity to discuss with you my uh, experiences and knowledge today. And hopefully I've got an opportunity to share more knowledge uh, with your audience in the future.
0: Great. Thanks again, Mark. Okay, so for those of you who would like to know more about the subject matter that Mark's been talking about today, um, there will be a link to so you can reach out to him. I'm sure he'll be able to, happy to talk to you. Um, no issues there. Everybody, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on and joining us. Um, your time is valuable. We realise that and hopefully we've been able to share some insights with you. We'll have a whole range of podcasts coming up in the next few weeks make sure you keep an eye out for us on social media on linkedin and other platforms really look look forward to spending some time with you sharing information and in the meantime please stay safe keep a distance and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon thanks